Okay, hi guys, my name is Samantha, but you can call me Sam, and this is Sam Stuff. So today for our second episode of Women of the Hobby, we have a very special guest. Her name is Alex, and her Instagram is Alexa Collects, and she's super cool. Uh, she's actually in Australia, so uh, we're different days here today, but uh, it's super cool, and I'm really excited to kind of hear her story as a woman in the hobby, and I'll go ahead and let her uh, introduce herself. Well, thank you. Thank you for the introduction, Sam. So hi, everyone. My name is Alex. I'm again, my Instagram is Alexa Collects. Um, it's currently seven o'clock in the morning in Australia, but um, I so I'm 21. And well, apart from my current passion for the hobby, I'm also passionate about speech pathology. I've just started my first, first year of my master's degree at university really loving that at the moment even although it's a little bit on zoom and yeah so that's a little bit about me yeah of course so um how did you first get into the hobby like I just love to hear that intro story of kind of like when you started and how long you've been collecting and that type of thing yeah yeah sure so I've actually been collecting for about 16 years so I started initially when I was about five years old and well, I think probably one thing I should say is that the predominant sport that's popular in Australia is Australian rules football, which is called the AFL. It's rules too complicated to explain, but so basically in Australia, we have, well, footy, what we call footy cards and they're so AFL football cards. And I started collecting those when I was five. And I mean, I have memories of, you know, every week, you know, I was given, you know, $5 of pocket money and I'd, I'd go around to the newspaper shop and buy, oh, it was always one packet every week that I, you know, I could choose. And, you know, even back then there were, you know, coupons in the paper every week that used to tear out and then, you know, redeem for a packet. So that's probably my earliest memory of being involved in card collecting and um, but it was probably about when I was 10 that I really began collecting NBA cards. And again, I've sort of, I mean, the close, the market that was nearby had like a sort of memorabilia, again, mainly AFL, but sort of it had like memorabilia and uh, also cards as well. And I remember that's when I, you know, I remember that, that at that particular shop that I, you know, I bought my first of a packet of uh, basketball cards and it was, uh, well, 09 Upper Deck, which, um, you know, Steph Curry, James Harden, rookie year. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I remember during that time I was, you know, I, I began watching what initially was just starting out as, you know, box breakers, you know, when card shop owners in America would, you know, film customers you know maybe a customer bought a box and you know they decided to film it so I mean that was for me a really interesting aspect of the hobby and I guess where sort of there was a bit of a period during my life when I was probably you know I started high school at 12 or 13 and I just had this really big hiatus from card collecting and I, I don't know why to this day that I sort of stopped for a period of well, when I was 10 to uh, it's probably seven or eight years that I just stopped collecting. I still kept everything, but it was just put all in storage and I just focused on, you know, school life and friends and sport and whatever. 
And it was actually by chance in probably 2018. So when I first started uni that I actually, yeah, by chance sort of re-entered the hobby. And it was sort of, I was actually digging through some old albums full with my cards and everything. And I thought, I don't know if I'll need these. They were mainly sort of base cards, maybe sort of inserts of, you know, I think, you know, the rookies of the time were, you know, Blake Griffin or John Wall or whatever. But I mean, I um, I remember I was digging through them and I thought, well, I want to maybe try and, you know, sell some of this. I might not need it. And actually, by chance, in one of the albums, I found Steph Curry rookie card from, again, from that 09 upper deck. Wow. And so I decided, yeah, I, I, I completely forgot I had it. And I, I decided, so I Googled, you know, card shops in Melbourne, Australia, and I found well, one of two card shops in Melbourne and it's called Cherry Collectibles. And so I went in and I just took this card. I thought, I think it's, I know Steph Curry's really good. I'll take it in, I'll see how it goes. And I I remember I I had a really, really good chat with Josh, Josh Laker, who who was the manager of the operations manager of the store. And he, we had this really good chat I didn't end up selling the Steph Curry. And now, well, what, two years later, I'm now an employee at Cherry and I'm full, I'm back into the hobby full time. Oh. So I, that, that's sort of how by chance I just decided to keep the Steph Curry. I kept in contact with, you know, Josh and everyone else at Cherry Collectibles. Um, and I just slowly began, you know, they encouraged me quite a lot to you know get back into the hobby and I'm now an employee there yeah yeah so there we go <laughs> story I mean of kind of how you like I feel like everyone kind of has that childhood story of like initially you know I used to collect some I kind of like I got away from it for a little bit but now I'm like back in it full swing so I mean I think that's super cool and now I mean you're really in it like you work for a storefront yeah. that's I mean that's amazing um yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about your, your experience, like working at the, at the shop? Yeah. So Cherry, I began working for Cherry by, at the end of last year. So probably about November, December last year. So quick context, the COVID situation, Australia had sort of cleared up by then retail, even now the retail still open. So we were, I was fortunate enough that I, you know, I, I could work. Um, and my now boss, I remember I was in store one day and I was, you know, chatting with, you know, I, it was, it'd been probably about eight months since I'd been in. And I was just sort of visiting, saying hello to everyone. And Grayson White, who's currently my, who's the, the owner and my boss sort of, he said to me, you know, he was sort of looking for someone to sort of serve customers or just be a part of the team. And, you know, and he said, you know, would, would you like, you know, would you like some part-time work over the holidays? And I, you know, I was, I was very flattered that they, he'd asked me to, to work for them. And I said, absolutely. And I mean, honestly, dream job, you know, and I, so I've been working there so for yeah, since December, so probably about four months. And quite interesting, I guess, in terms of where my perspective as a female sort of comes in, is that so all 
the employees. So there are about 10 staff at Cherry. So sort of there's, you've got Grayson, the owner, you've got operations manager, Josh, and his few of his team upstairs doing, you know, packaging. And then there's downstairs, we've got, well, Cherry does collectibles, do live breaks as well. Uh -huh. So we do, um, so there's Blake who takes care of that. And then there's got, you know, Dale who does the singles and everyone else. And so I'm, apart from like Grayson's wife who sort of comes in and she helps with the store as well I'm the only female employee of Cherry and I initially I mean I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit sort of you know nervous about going into you know a really male male sort of dominant environment but I think what I I've honestly never been more comforted more comfortable um and everyone there is just so welcoming um they're they're honestly at the moment like my second family um and it's it's an environment a really positive environment it's really uplifting and i've had nothing but amazing times with them yeah no that's amazing i mean i think they're there's an opportunity for more women to get in right now. I mean, and to see like someone like you or someone like me, just us out here uh, kind of in this male dominated uh, industry and hobby. It's great to have like female faces out there saying like, you know, this is for everyone, even though it may be male dominated right now, like everyone can get in. And it is, it is a very welcoming hobby. I've found like there's been a lot of support. So it's really nice. That you've had a good experience. Yeah. I mean, like I've never, like, I think probably, my biggest advice to maybe, because I know that there, there are females out there who collect and who, who are into this hobby. And, you know, I, I may, I'd be lying if I said, you know, younger, when I was younger that, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm quite a shy person anyway, but I, I was initially skeptical, you know, to tell people that I collected cards because maybe I found that when, even when I used, I used to take in my, my old, when, when I was 10, I used to take like all my basketball cards into school and sort of maybe try and show the other girls there, but they just maybe didn't, because they didn't collect, they just didn't understand it or they didn't appreciate it as much as I did. And I think in a way I was sort of a little bit of, not afraid, but of the, the stigma that it was that the hobby would be interpreted as being geeky or, you know, oh, why are you wasting your money on cardboard or this, that. But if anything now with where the hobby is, um, I just think it's just, you know, a fast, it's, it's an amazing hobby that, and it's a shifting into a really viable profit for a really profitable investment market as well. I mean, given that, you know, with the whole pandemic thing, I mean, interest rates are at their lowest ever and, people are now, you know, with the volatility of the stock market, people are sort of looking into other means of, you know, of investing. And, and I think, you know, sports cars is certainly coming out as something as being a really, really viable investment market. So it sort of, it takes me back to, I think my main advice for the small, if we are, even, even though we are a minority, I think women should not ever be intimidated by the male dominated appearance of the hobby like I mean even you know even in the card trading group in Australia that's like the Facebook group there are about 6,000 members and so far including me there are, I've only seen about three women like who are actively posting about you know selling and trading 
And I'm not trying to say that we should be just injecting more women into the hobby for the sake of it, for the sake of balance. I think what I'm trying to say is that I guess the like the small the minority of women should be we should be proud of being collectors. We should, you know, we shouldn't just, you know, think, oh, you know, we're just tagging along with our partner and going to card shows and whatever, you know, where we should really show our voice, you know, we're act we should be really actively involved in the hobby and we should, you know, feel proud of, you know, who we are. And we should never ever feel intimidated or maybe turned away by the fact that you know, oh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I'm, you know, this is all these knowledgeable males in the hobby, you know, what do I know type thing. You know, we, we know our stuff and, you know, we just shouldn't be intimidated by it. And if anything, you know, all the, all the males I've, in, you know, dealt with or met have been, again, the most welcoming and friendly people and they foster just an amazing environment that I feel so comfortable in. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, at the at the card show this weekend, I felt like I was trying to kind of listen to my own advice, listen to my own convictions, because I mean, walking in in a room full of probably thousands of, of males and maybe one one person females with half of them just being there, like with their significant other, uh, <laughs> it's it is intimidating. I and I will say, like, I, I kind of had to talk myself into my own confidence and say, you know, I know uh, just as much as these people, I may not know more, but I, I feel confident that I know the same amount of knowledge as they do. So, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, I feel like that is something that I'm trying to work on every day. It's just saying, you know, I, I'm confident in this, but um, it's definitely something I'm working on for sure. I mean, I think some days I do struggle like telling people that like I, I collect cards, but um I mean, I'm getting there. Like, I realize it is something to be proud of and I, I shouldn't be intimidated. So, I mean, I definitely, I'm trying to listen to everyone. So I'm, I'm trying to go for it. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, I know that's probably not, again, something that, you know, I mean, you're 22, I'm 21. It's not necessarily something that women our age do, or maybe it's maybe just collecting in general is not a girl thing. But I mean, it shouldn't be, I mean, we shouldn't, you know, feel that it's something that, you know, just because no one, no other females are doing it, so we shouldn't feel ashamed that we shouldn't feel that it's, you know, maybe geeky or that we're, you know, why are we buying little pieces of cardboard or whatever? And I think sort of extending on that, I've never ever had to use the fact that I'm, you know, if I'm doing a deal with someone, I've never had to give in to you know if I'm selling something for example I've never ever felt that just because I'm a female that I have to give you know I have to succumb to lower prices or I, I've never ever had to sort of say oh you know could you give me a better deal type thing I've never ever had to sort of I've never I've really I think if anything we should you should be really strong and firm and that you know just say oh you know come on love you know you're only you're a it's not this, you know, it's cheaper than this, you know, what are you doing? But I, I mean, you know, your stuff, I know my stuff. I know what, I know what I got into cards at. I know what, I do my work, my research. I know what cards are worth. I know what I want for it. I'm not going to, I mean, I, I do, I mean, I am flexible in the sense that, I mean, I'm not sort of, you know, I'm not iffy about being really, really firm on a price, but I mean, I don't want to be lowballed, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to be lowballed because I'm a girl. I mean, I know, 
I mean, I know what I want for it and I'm always willing to work with you, whether it be, you know, through cash or trade, but I, you know, I, we shouldn't sort of have to give in to, you know, being, I mean, not as though it's happened, but we, we I mean, we shouldn't feel like we need to sort of say, oh, what do I know? He knows much more than me. You know what I mean? Right. No, exactly. I agree. I mean, I feel like we should be, I mean, just talking before this, I mean, I, I know we, we follow all the content creators, like we, we keep yeah. up with the market. So, so we know our stuff and then, yeah, it's just a matter of being, being confident in that knowledge and really portraying that in kind of your actions and these deals that you're making. I mean, yeah, I, I completely understand that, but you've talked about kind of these deals you're making. So what, kind of what is the Australian, I guess, like card community, like are there shows going on or like, do you do deals with people in the US and like the like the shipping or like the, the kind of logistics that goes on with that? Could you talk more about that? Well, first about the logistics of shipping. Well, I think COVID sort of, I guess, uh, Australia, I mean, the fact that we're sort of in the middle of nowhere sort of means that everything that comes to us from the US pre-COVID was, you know, the shipping was you know, it would take a long time to get here. But if anything, COVID sort of worsened it quite a bit. So I think that's for me, it's probably the shipping and the pandemic situation in America is, um, has sort of, I guess, I mean, because I used to buy things from, like cars from the US, but I think at the moment it's, I'm, I'm sticking to mainly trades or buys in Australia. Um, but I know that there's, I haven't used it yet, but I'm really considering it now that um, using ship my cards, which most people will know is the, you know, the equivalent of, you know, a US based PO box. And that's, it, you know, it's easier to just sort of put that address down, you know, shipping to, I think it's based in Arizona, uh, you know, shipping's fast, you know, shipping's within the US sort of goes to your PO box in Arizona. And once you've you know accumulated lots of cards, you know they'll just ship it out to Australia in you know really quickly. So I'm considering using that, but I think the reason why I'm considering it is that, I mean, the community. I will definitely say that the community of card collectors in Australia is a lot smaller than it is in the US. I mean, it's. I think. I mean, again, a lot of card collectors in Australia are, they collect AFL football cards as well. So Australian rules, but so I think sort of younger sort of, you know, guys and guys and gals our age are probably, you know, they, NBA, you know, apart from AFL, NBA is the real, um, is the most popular card to collect at the moment. I will say that like, NFL and baseball cards haven't yet really caught on, I guess, to the NBA craze at the moment. And I don't, I don't think that soccer, the soccer market has sort of reached Australian shores yet. I think people now are starting to realise in Australia that, you know, soccer is a really viable market. Like, I mean, my, my boss, Grayson, is huge. He's huge on Yao Felix. He's big on Mason Greenwood. Um, but I think... I guess the main thing about Australia is that we just don't have the supply. I think we just, with being so far from the US and with all the shipping things, availability of, you know, certain cards, like, I mean, just really interesting, rare, like 
well, for me at the moment, I'm sort of trying to find like I'm huge on like Topps Chrome mm -hmm. pre any stuff. And that's just so hard to find because I find that we have a lot in Australia. We have a lot of, you know, modern, ultra modern, you know, I mean, you know, hoops hybrid or sort of the more recent stuff like retail stuff that's coming out. I mean, we still have sort of like Cherry or we always get, you know, any of the new NBA releases. Like we've got, you know, we've just got the recent Donruss and hoops and we, we, we get everything. But I think in terms of finding individual cards, that really rare, like Topps Chrome Refractors and everything like that, it's quite hard to do in Australia. And that's why I think, you know, uh, it's where that's why I'm probably turning now to the US for cards. And I think in the same token, the fact that probably this community is smaller, we don't have many card shops or even like we were talking about Dallas. I reckon, well, we had recently, the most recent card show wasn't even a card show. It was in Sydney, in New South Wales. And it was like a comic, like almost like a comic con type convention. And there were a few stall holders there who were selling cards, but we don't have something that's, you know, akin to the national or Dallas. It just doesn't I mean there might be one per year, maybe in Sydney, or they might, someone might, you know, independently organize like a big, card meetup but it's certainly rare and it's certainly something that I think we all wish we could really have down here and you know I, I'd say there are fewer than 10 or at the moment like I can probably say that independent card shops like the ones that I know of they're probably about in this whole country about 10 that I like yeah so that's probably something that's missing in Australia but what I guess it makes what makes up for it is the fact that we're a really strong, cohesive community. Again, that's super, you know, super supportive. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, the points that you've brought up about the, the AFL being, being popular there. And then, yeah, I would agree that I think NBA in general, it's, it's one of the, like beyond just soccer in general, it's probably like the fastest growing like international sport. I, I mean, I know soccer is huge, but the NBA I know is doing a lot internationally to kind of mm -hmm. grow its like platform. So hearing that it's kind of the second biggest thing in Australia is 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 not too surprising. But I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's crazy that there are only like ten shops though. So yeah, like full um, on like card dedicated shops. I mean, you might have more like let's say collectible stores, but they maybe have pops and whatever comic books and whatever. But like proper like card shops are, I'd say probably more, About. but the proper ones that I know of, 10. Wow. Kind of in terms of that though, what are you currently buying and like, what do you think of this kind of market boom yeah. that you're in right now? Well, I, I think if anything, this is the most excited I've been about the hobby as, as I've ever been. I mean, I mean, there's a sort of, semi-hobby veteran I mean I've always been passionate about it but the fact that you know cards are now getting such a bigger platform and that are just are just taking off you know that you know athletes are you know people ask me you know what do you think of you know Giannis showing off his cards or you know it was Deshaun Watson who's showing off you know his really you know his, his huge card collection of himself I think if anything any publicity is good publicity for the hobby and I think that you know, 
at the moment, it's a really exciting phase for the hobby. I mean, I'm not, just as a personal thing, I'm not, I, I'm not a, you know, believer in the Vegas day philosophy that the card market's just going to, you know, crash. I think when you're seeing cards that are selling for millions of dollars, I think there's always, there's opportunity. And, you know, in terms of what I'm buying, I mean, I'm, for me, the two, well, I'm trying to, I, I guess I tried to get in, well, I, I didn't trust myself probably, you know, like four months ago when I thought about KD. And at the moment, he's just, if anything, I'm almost too late because KD cards are just going through the roof, but I'm just trying to, you know, get in, um, sort of get, you know, KD rookies. I think he's a really good investment. I think as well at the moment, well, I don't know if it sort of carries on into the US, but I think Trey Young and Luka Doncic cards have gone down. And I think they're at a point where they're viable to buy. Um, I, I just love, I mean, as a, this is a personal thing. I love Luca. I've, you know, I'm, I think Luca's an amazing young player and he's probably my main go-to goal. But at the same time, I think, you know, you can never ever go wrong with Kobe LeBron Jordan cards. I think, I mean, I think that's sort of why at the moment we, just as a personal thing, we may be seeing sort of ultra modern players go down a little bit is that people are now realizing that, you know, a good investment long-term is in Kobe, LeBron, Jordan. They're the really three guys who are really lifting the market up at the moment. And for me, as again, as a personal thing, I'm, I'm just all in on Kobe. I've just always been a Kobe girl. Um, you know, I think I've got, I've got a Kobe, you know, a Kobe rookie that, or the tops rookie that's been at PSA for about three months. But um, I'm huge on finding like Kobe, like tops chrome, not not from his rookie year because it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. But I love Kobe tops refractors. I love, I, for me, I love low pop stuff. Like I find that, you know, I I don't really buy like base rookies of Embiid or this and that and the other I, I find that I think it'd be you know 10 year old me would say why don't be buying a base car there's nothing that's boring there's nothing exciting about that you know but I love I just love really unique cards I mean I think in, in in some way that you know low pop cards are a risk in the sense that people are afraid to put a price on it to sell it because it's there aren't that many of them but at the same time I don't want to have something that's you know, boring or that the market's oversaturated in. But, um, you know, like, I mean, I love, I love the kabooms, you know, this is my Mahomes kaboom. I love it. I mean, I love, you know, like yeah. tricolor Luca, you know what I mean? Like I love really, I love aesthetically pleasing cards, but at the same time, I mean, I got into those, you know, before this big spike happened. But I mean, I'm buying, I'm looking out for, I think Luca's cheap at the moment. I think, I think Trace cheap, Trace super cheap. I think, you know, I think, you know, from as, in terms of NFL, I'm a huge Mahomes fan. I think, you know, Mahomes is, is I remember when the Super Bowl happened, someone posted a photo with, you know, big goat and baby goat, you know, with, you know, being Brady, the big goat and Mahomes, the little goat. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm also a big on Brady, um, but I think, you know, Brady Mahomes for me are just solid choices. And as well, sort of moving on from that is probably the 
what I like to call the GOAT market. So I've been sort of moving recently from NBA and NFL to now sort of like other sports are starting to pick up quite a bit. So for example, I'm all in on tennis. Mm. I think tennis cards are really unique. Um, I mean, I've got, I just sent off to Serena Willie. Like what's, it's not, I don't think it's really appropriate to say rookie card because she, you know, she started her career in 98, but the 2003 net pro Serena Williams, I've got a few of those off at grading. I mean, you know, in the goats of soccer, like Messi and Ronaldo, I had someone who showed me that they, they had like a Michael Phelps auto from really early 2000s. Um, I think that's interesting. I think people are becoming more aware of like this, the goat market, the multi-sport market. I think it's, if it's cheap, then it's really good to get into, you know. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. I mean, I actually have, um, I have some Serena as well. Um, yeah. And then I also have, I have some Michael Phelps, not his, I know there's like a, there's like a leaf auto of his where it's not actually like his card. It's a fan of the game card. So I've seen that. Oh, one. Yeah, yeah, I know I've that. Seen that one, but I have the Sports Illustrated or not Sports Illustrated. It's like rookie review. It's like a perforated card. So I got some of that and yeah. I'm actually really big. I mean, I don't know if it's like going to boom or what, but I think someone really like interesting is Katie Ledecky, um, the American swimmer. Yes. I, I just think, I just remember, I guess it was four or five years ago now, but she was so dominant in the swimming. It was insane. Like she almost lapped these people in an Olympic race. Like it was just incredible. So I really like her. Um, just I'm I'm very also interested in the kind of like alternative sports. Um, I know some other people. I'm not. I mean, I'm not like. Uh, I guess I don't know as much about it. But the F1 racing and MMA. Uh, yeah. I think or WWE MMA. The the wrestling people are also getting into. Mm. So. And even like something like Star Wars. Like even yeah. the other day, 1977 top Star Wars. I I was so close to actually to getting, it was a PSA 7, so it wasn't the best grade, but like a prince, like a Carrie Fisher, you know, Princess Leia, you know, they, I love it how they call it, you know, the Princess Leia rookie card or something like that. Because in the same way that these sort of, even if you look at sort of pop culture, I mean, these like pop culture figures, you know, they can't tear the, their ACL. They can't get injured and just, you know, not, play so to say like I mean this is I mean if you're talking about the goats of pop culture or different sports you know I think I find it's a much more solid long-term investment rather than sort of really young modern players who are yet to prove themselves type thing that's why I'm finding I'd rather I'm I feel like it's a more safe move putting you know time and effort into people who will always be legendary rather than sort of younger players who still yet to prove themselves. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. That was kind of my, um, not like my motive, but like this weekend, I definitely picked up some people who had like, they've, they've already proven themselves. They're already known as being amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think in a lot, I think there was a necessary kind of market correction because in a lot of these younger players, there was so much speculation already built into their price and it was mm-hmm. just people just guessing what they're going to do when in reality yeah. they hadn't they really hadn't done anything yet so um 
I think that's just, it's very interesting. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm super excited for the market. I also don't believe it's going to crash anytime soon. I do believe there will be a time where, like, as everyone's saying, it's going to get, it's going to get soft. There are highs and lows in the market, but no, it's not going to like just, just go down to zero. So um, yeah, I definitely echo kind of all those thoughts, but um, I think that's kind of all we have for this episode, but yeah, I, I really appreciated having you on. I mean, having the perspective of being not only a female, but someone in a different country. So kind of that international perspective of well, and yeah, I really thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Sam. It's been an honor. Thank you.